What's up, you guys, and welcome back to Emotionally Online, the show for spilling guts and sharing secrets, hosted by yours truly, the one and only, Maddie Drosvek. How are we doing? How are our holidays? I'm back in Brooklyn, spent four days with my family, which is enough, so I'm happy to be back. Don't get me wrong. Love my family to death, to little bits and pieces, but I love living alone. I love having my own space. There's actually been several points in time where I've considered like when I go home to visit my parents, should I just like get a hotel nearby? (laughs) I don't think I make enough money to excuse that when I have a perfectly good bed waiting for me at my parents' house. But um, I definitely have considered it. (laughs) I won't lie. I think I just, I love being able to end my day completely by myself. When I walk into my apartment, when I'm done with the day and I get to look around and be like, no one else is coming here. It's just me. I'm safe. It feels like a level of relaxation that I just can't get if other people are around. I don't care how much I love you and like want you to be around. I'll never relax quite as good as I do when I'm totally by myself and I think frequently on like holidays, family trips home, you really need some alone time, some downtime to like really survive it. My family's great, but they're still family and they fucking annoy the shit out of me sometimes. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be back and I'm happy that I get to see them again in three weeks for Christmas. So it's a nice little happy medium. That's why Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday because I feel like it's like the right dose of family and holiday spirit at the same time. You've still got Christmas to look forward to. Had a good little weekend with my family, but I am very happy to be back. I've had an interesting morning to say the least. It's been one of those weeks where I'm getting so much done, but I almost feel shocked that I'm getting so much done. I don't know what's going on. Um, Did all my grocery shopping this morning. You know, woke up, cleaned the apartment, did all my getting ready stuff, and um, planned the podcast that I'm now filming. But I also made time to have a quick little mental breakdown in there, which is, like, impressive. I didn't think that I was going to have time to do that. (laughs) Usually when I have a quick little cry at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., it means that I'm going to be derailed for the rest of the day. But we got through it. We had our little I'm frustrated, I'm crying moment, and um, we're still kicking. Here we are. But if any of you struggle with chronic BV, then you know why I was crying. Because <laughs> it's fucking frustrating as hell. Um, And I just had a little moment this morning where I was like, this shit sucks and um, I'm tired of dealing with it. And it's also, it sucks that it's not, it feels like there's not a lot of people that talk about BV, specific people that struggle with chronic BV. Um, And it's so common, but I feel like you, you more often hear about people talking about yeast infections and not BV. Um, 
but BV is extremely fucking common. And what is it? It's like 60% of people that have BV end up getting another infection within the span of 12 months. And then of those people, there's even more people that end up getting like chronic recurrent infections of BV, which is unfortunately the group that I'm in. Um, My period triggers it. So sometimes when I just finish my period, I have a BV flare up, which is so fucking frustrating. I can't even put to words how frustrating it is to have something that you literally cannot control trigger an infection (laughs) once a month. I can't, I can't tell you how fucking irritating it is. So I'm, you know, I've been working with doctors to try to find a solution for me for the last year and a half. So still, I have not found anything that works to truly keep the infections away. I think I've had six BV infections this year, which is way more than anyone should have to deal with in one year. So I've been feeling a little frustrated about that. And had a good cry about it this morning. And here we are. So, shout out to all my BV girlies out there. Because it fucking sucks. And, um, yeah. It sucks that for for um, an infection that we know so much about, there's still such a challenge to treat it in some people. And I hate that I'm one of those people. Anyways, not to divulge all of my vaginal adventures to you so early on in the episode. (laughs) But what is a sleepover if not an opportunity to swap vagina stories? There's my vagina story of the day. But I'm glad that I was able to get my day back on track because after I'm filming the podcast, I'm actually going to my college, my alma mater, Marymount Manhattan, and I'm speaking on a panel to the seniors that are doing Capstone right now uh, about creating their final Capstone films and then also life post-grad and what I'm doing, my job, I guess, which being on I did one earlier this year at the college too I've gone back a bunch I can't believe it's been four years since I graduated that feels crazy but um there are so many professors at Marymount that I really adore and admire and I'm I feel very honored that they still invite me back to speak to students now four years later uh that means a lot to me and um yeah I went I was there earlier this year doing a similar panel and I remember in that moment being like this is so funny because like I'll be on the panel with people who are like working at HBO and are like you know on these like big production sets and editing teams and you know are like in like big time TV and then I show up and I'm like YouTuber and podcaster extraordinaire (laughs) um That's also, that's not me downplaying what I do, by the way, because I feel like I've said many times in my podcast and my videos about how annoyed I was in college when people sort of got on their high horse about uh, the different mediums of entertainment and like 
judging people who went the social media route instead of going like a more traditional entertainment route with their degrees because I just don't think that um, one form of entertainment is holier than the other. I think we're in the age of social media right now. Social media creators, social media entertainers are holding more influence and power than a lot of you know mainstream celebrities are. Um, and it shouldn't be downplayed. I don't think. I think it's it's a it's a new a new industry. It's a new beast. It's a different beast. But I don't think that it's fair to be like I don't know, looking down on people that take the social media route with their degrees. I just don't agree with like the holier than thou mindset. And um, anyways, so I'm not downplaying what I do. Because I think that I have a very interesting job and I think I have a very interesting perspective, especially being someone that I don't have a manager. I don't have anybody that helps me or works for me. I do this all on my own. And I think it, it does take a specific kind of person to be so independent and to be able to be like the sole supporter for yourself. Um you know, not have any help doing it. I think that says something. I think I have a a lot to offer to that conversation, like self-discipline and uh, putting yourself out there, how to make opportunities for yourself. I have a lot to talk about. I have a lot to contribute, but it is, it it is a little funny. There's always going to be a little (laughs) comedic kick to it when I'm sitting on a panel with people who are like actually in the film industry. And I'm like, what's up you guys? I make YouTube videos like I love it if I was in the audience and there was someone on a panel that was like yeah I make fucking YouTube videos (laughs) what's up I would love them because I just think I love YouTubers I'm a YouTube fan before I am anything else and I love the like energy of someone who's like you know what this is actually what I want to do and I'm sorry that you think it's lowbrow but this is fucking fun. I'm living a good life. You guys have fun waking up at 6 a.m. to go to a shoot and bring someone coffee all day. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously it's still funny to be like the one YouTuber on a panel full of uh, like people established in the entertainment industry. Anyways, that's where I'm going after I record this. All of that has nothing to do with the topic at hand today. But today, I really wanted to dive into the topic of being the other woman unknowingly. This was a topic that I started talking about on my old podcast uh, that no longer exists because we have this one. (laughs) This is from several years ago. Um, And I was listening to that episode back the other day. And it's funny how much you change in like three years, four years, three or four years since I recorded that episode. And I was listening to it back and I didn't agree with a lot of what I was saying. I agreed with most of it. I think the core beliefs were all the same, but I think that when I was talking about my stories of being the other woman unknowingly, I think when I was younger and I mean, even up until three or four years ago, whenever that episode was recorded, I had a tendency to like make jokes while I was telling these like really awful, really painful stories to make it seem like maybe I cared less than I did or maybe it hurt less than it did. And in that 
podcast, I'm telling these stories of when I was the other woman unknowingly. And I had some good reflections. Like I think that like none of my core beliefs or reflections on the matter have changed. I've always thought that it was like a very painful and despicable thing to put someone through. But I, I think I had a hard time totally articulating it and like being gentle and nurturing towards myself. I almost had to be like, oh, well, I was crazy back then. And I was, you know, hanging out with these like idiot guys. And I had to like sort of make fun of myself or say that like I was such an idiot or um, that it was my fault for hanging out with people like that, that I should have known better. And um, I really disagree with that now, looking back on all of it. And maybe this is just something that has come with age. It's a wisdom that has now been bestowed upon me, having more time to look back on my early dating experiences. Um, But I honestly, I think that throughout my year of no dating, I just grew such like a, I don't know, like sympathy for my past self. I feel like so deeply for the like 18, 19, 20 year old version of me and how like, I don't know how failed I think I was by my dating experiences. I feel really bad for that version of myself. And, um, so I wanted to go through this topic again. I wanted to tell these stories again. I'm sure you know, most of you have never heard me tell these stories in the first place, but I wanted to go through and tell these stories again, kind of from the perspective that I have now and talk about cheating and, um, sort of all of my viewpoints on that and my experiences with cheating. So I've got a few stories to tell you, unfortunately, but let's start with the first one and perhaps the biggest one and this was the first guy that I ever dated in my entire life um I had just moved to New York freshman year of college um I never had my first kiss in high school I ended up having my first kiss the summer after I graduated high school. I've already talked about my first kiss in another episode of the podcast. It was a really bad first kiss. Um, So if you listen to that episode, you know what that story is. So that just happened. And then I went to college and I think the only thing that happened my fall semester of college is that I gave a hand job in Central Park at like 9 p.m., Wouldn't do it again, but that was something that happened my freshman year of college. Um, So I was, like, very much a baby in, like, my experience levels. I had never really dated someone in a serious way. I just had my first kiss, and I just went on, like, my first date in New York that ended in me giving a handjob in Central Park. So clearly I'm young and naive and don't really know how to say no or stand up for myself or even have a clear viewpoint on what I want in any way. Um, and at the time, I, I've i talked about this a bunch, but I never wanted a hookup. Never. I think now sometimes I'll look back on like videos I made and even in the podcast three years ago. I like made some joke about 
or I said something about, uh, like it's in passing. This is going to be very out of context. I don't know what I was saying it in a uh, relation to, but I said something about like, um, being interested in casual sex and like having, uh, casual dynamics that worked for me. And now I look back on all of those and I don't think I've ever been in a casual dynamic that worked for me because I, I just don't think it's what I want and I don't think it's ever what I've wanted. And I think that I got roped in to the world of casual sex and hookups when I moved to New York without even realizing that I was being looped into it. And then I kind of got stuck there because you believe that like, oh, I'm in college. I'm supposed to be crazy and fucking around and just like having a good time. You like think you're supposed to do that at that age. And um, I think it, it had a lot to do with how men treated me as well, where I had never been paid any attention my entire life. And then I got to New York and a lot of men were paying me attention, but it was a lot of sexual attention. But nobody had ever looked twice at me. So I don't think I knew what to do with that. I All of a sudden, I felt desired. I felt attractive. And I wanted to feel more of that, even though it was never being shown to me in the way that I really deep down wanted it to be shown, which is that I wanted romance. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted someone to really get to know me and see me and think that I was fantastic. Um, so I started dating in New York and, um, I think I always believed that like, even if things turned into like a long-term hookup situation that they could evolve into a relationship. And so I was always very naive and very hopeful that the situations I was involving myself in would grow to be what I wanted them to be, even if in the moment I wasn't totally satisfied. But mind you, I didn't have the knowledge or the words to put to all of these feelings. Now I can sit here and tell you all of this, but in the moment, I don't know that I even understood how I was feeling. I think in the moment, I was just like, I like the attention. I like being able to explore sex in a way that I've never been able to explore it before because no one's been interested. And I know that I feel weird and sad a lot of the time, but maybe if we just push through it, if we get to the other side of it, if I commit to trying with this person that they will at some point start loving me because of the amount of time we're spending together. I don't know. I don't think I thought about it that much. I I wasn't thinking about it in a critical way. I wasn't, I didn't understand how I felt in, in the way that I do now being older and being able to look back on how I was at that age. So I'm 18, 19 at the time I meet this guy on Tinder and we talk for, uh, three months before we end up meeting in person. I think part of that was because of the holidays and I was, dorming my freshman year of college so it was like I went home for Christmas and then I was gone for the entire month of January but we started talking in November so I didn't end up meeting up with him until February February rolls around it's the first weekend in February 2016 
was the weekend of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I only know this because I lost my virginity on the day of the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, it was a Friday night and we had planned to go on our first date. And this was really my first serious date ever, like where you're going out to a restaurant and sitting down kind of date. I had never been taken on a date like that before. Um, I was a freshman at Marymount and he was a senior at NYU and we go out for dessert at this restaurant and we sit and we drink and we eat and it's going well to my memory. And, um, after that he walked me around his neighborhood. He lived in the East village And we walked around and he showed me his favorite spots and we just talked and there was definitely a vibe there. And, um, we ended up going back to his apartment, but nothing happened. I believe we just kissed and that was it. And then he asked me if I wanted to go out again the very next night. So the next night on Saturday, we went to a midnight movie at the IFC Um, they were showing the breakfast club. So we saw the breakfast club at midnight in a movie theater. So after the movie, we head back to his apartment and I ended up sleeping over that night. And then in the morning we woke up and, uh, we had sex for the first time. I, he asked me if we could. And then I told him that he needed to wear a condom and he ran over to the Rite Aid nearby. And that was my first time having sex. And um, I'd say it was a good first time, all things considered. I think in the moment, in that moment, I felt really happy about it and I felt really comfortable and I thought it was just fun and the sex was good. I think looking back now, it all feels differently knowing how things changed with this guy going forward. But um, in that moment, I felt good about all of it. And I was, it was a good first time, all things considered. Um, I don't have anything negative to say about that first weekend. So... At that point on, we started seeing each other very regularly. I was over at his apartment like two, three nights a week, and we continued going on regular dates together. Um, I thought that we were moving towards being in a relationship. Um, That's what I wanted. I just had like the biggest, fattest fucking crush on this guy. I had never experienced someone treating me like that. I had never had sex with someone before. So I think it was like, it was all of these first things at once. It was my first real date. It was like the first guy that had really paid me like undivided attention that wanted to be with me, that was planning thoughtful dates that I was intimate with. Um, We had a lot of things in common. Like I, he was really just my first for a lot of things. So we're seeing each other regularly and you know, the whole thing was a mess. Honestly, I remember my friends at the time always trying to fight me out of going to see him because they all thought he was so awful 
And they were right. They were so fucking right. But I couldn't see it at the time. And I just thought, I don't know. Anytime I like came home crying or was upset about something he did or said, I, I don't know. I just convinced myself that I was the problem. That I was being too dramatic, too sensitive, too whatever. All things that we've talked about on this podcast before. This is baby Maddie. This is young Maddie. This is my first experience ever. And um, he was never delicate with me. He was never super kind to me. I don't think he ever thought twice about the fact that he was my first. He knew that he was my first before we had sex. Um, he knew how important it was to me and I think, um, he should have known better than to be like so reckless with a young 18, 19 year old girl who was clearly infatuated with him. Uh, so that's disappointing looking back on now, like a 22 year old who should have known to be a little bit more careful, but was ultimately too selfish. And so we continued seeing each other through the rest of the year and, um, he was set to move to Prague at the end of July. He was graduating from NYU and then moving to Prague, Prague to go, uh, teach English to adults. We had had like a weird dynamic going on in June and July of that year. And I think it's because neither of us knew what was going on or I didn't know what was going on rather at this point I was still convinced that we could have been in a relationship and he definitely wanted nothing to do with me from the start he just wanted sex but I think he was even feeling conflicted at the time maybe not knowing like how how far he should take it up until the point where he moved to Prague um But yeah, here I was, just oblivious as ever. And in July, I was moving into my first New York City apartment. And I was there for a week by myself. And I knew that that was probably going to be my last opportunity to see him before he moved to Prague. So I had made plans with him. And then throughout that week... When I was there, I just stopped hearing from him and he wasn't responding to my texts and he just like full on ghosted me. And so my week in New York was done and I went back up to my parents' house. I was going back and forth that summer and the day after I left, he texted me and said that he had made a mistake and that he wanted me to come back to New York and me like a fucking idiot literally got on a Greyhound bus back to New York less than 24 hours after I had gotten back, went back to New York, made plans to see him again, and then he ghosted me again. And then like two days later, he moved to Prague and I never saw or heard from him again. That was until New Year's of that same year. I promise I'm going to get to the heart of the story in a second. I just want to give you all the the build up, the full story so you get exactly what the dynamic of this was. How absolutely um unequal this dynamic was. 
So New Year's comes around of that year. To this day, this is the only New Year's that I've spent in New York City. I think I'm planning on spending New Year's here this year, but I've only spent one New Year's in New York City. Of the seven years I've lived here, I've only spent one. And um, he, for whatever reason, was back in New York for that New Year's and he reached out to me. And the second I saw his name appear on my phone, I was sobbing. I was with my friends just like it, it like, I don't know. It triggered something in me because I was sobbing the minute he texted me. And so we made plans to meet up later that night after both of us had celebrated New Year's with our friends. He ended up coming over to my apartment and we hooked up. And I remember during our hookup, he kept saying how much he had missed me and um, just like what, what a mistake he had made. And I remember not having that much of a reaction when he was saying things like that because at that time, I think I understood that he was bullshitting me and that he was a liar. I had had six months away from being around him all the time to understand that he never really cared about me. Um, clearly not enough to not want to have sex with him. But when he was saying he missed me and he made a mistake or whatever, I didn't start believing that that meant anything was going to be different. I understood that we were just having sex this once because I fucking was obsessed with him and I I, honestly at the time he was I had hooked up with other people in the six months after he and I stopped talking and he was in Prague but it was it wasn't as good so I think that was probably playing a part there too where I just I wanted to have sex with him um but after he left after it was over I felt kind of like this is done Like, I didn't want to talk to him more after seeing him. I didn't think that we were going to keep talking, and we didn't. I never heard from him again after we hooked up. Never. (sighs) Two months later, I was on Facebook, and the thing about this guy is that he did not have any social media. He was completely offline, didn't have any of it. Um, but he did have Facebook. It was under a fake name. So it was not under his real name. I only knew what the fake name was because I saw it on his computer once when we were seeing each other. So I looked him up on Facebook like two months later. It was February 2017, full year after we started seeing each other. And I notice that on his Facebook page, it says that he is engaged since November. He has a full-on fucking fiance in Prague. And I sit there and I stare at my screen and I'm like, this can't be real. I had sex with him in January. This says that he has been engaged since mid-November. Hmm. That does not sound good. So I had no idea how to process that information or what to do with that. I felt like so gross and icky and just like, how could you do that? 
how could you do that to me specifically? I think at the time I felt like I so trusted you and I loved you. I thought that I loved you. You know, I thought that's what love was at the time. Now I will say that I don't think I've ever been in love before. I think I was infatuated with him. Like, I just think that he, he contained all of my firsts, my first everything. And I so badly wanted him to like, I don't know, think that I was special and worthy of love or just like saw value in me because he just treated me like a body. That being my first experience in dating really fucked me up. And I think it sort of fractured my ability to trust. And I think a lot of the things that I have struggled with in dating moving forward, a lot of them connect back to that experience. Obviously, I've had other negative experiences in dating, but that first one is by far the worst. Um, that That is my worst dating story. That is the worst thing that anyone has ever put me through in dating. And... Um, yeah, it just fucked me up. That being my introduction to dating, my introduction to intimacy, um, you know, I've had a lot to work through since then. I never contacted his fiance at the time, and now I kind of regret that. I think I just didn't know what to do at the time. I was a kid. I was 19. Um... And I didn't know what to do. I was heartbroken. And um, there was part of me that didn't want to like ruin this other girl's life from across the globe. If he was actually giving her what I wanted him to give to me, but he didn't. I also just think I was kind of scared of him. And I was kind of nervous if I did reach out to her like what would happen I didn't want him to get mad at me or all of this is fucked now looking back on it you know but at the time I think I was just like I didn't want there to be any more conflict my heart couldn't take it I just wanted to be done with it so I never contacted her or said anything and um yeah it's definitely not the way I would handle it now let me put it that way. And I have handled it differently, um, which I'll tell you right after this. But I have often found myself getting angry that those were my introduction experiences. And that was what laid the groundwork for me. That was how I was taught about love. I think a big part of this current era of my life has been uh, allowing myself to grieve all the things that didn't happen, all the things that I feel like I missed out on, all of like the the young love, the innocent love that I wanted so desperately and never got. Um, I've been allowing myself to grieve those parts of me, those wants that I've always had and just like feeling sad, allowing myself to feel sad that those were my introductory experiences to dating and intimacy that really sucks 
that's really sad. And I, I want to allow myself to grieve those moments and feelings and I want to feel that sadness. But I want to allow myself to grieve those moments so that I can move forward and understand that this does not have to be a pattern that carries into my adulthood. And, um, oof, I don't want to cry. <laughs> but I think that I couldn't have done anything to change the way that he was going to treat me. And I think for a long time, I blamed myself for the ways that people treated me. And I thought that it was my fault that someone that I cared for so deeply just couldn't, wouldn't treat me the same in return. And... There's been a lingering fear in me through my transition from being a teenager, being a young adult, to now building an adult life for myself where I have worried that um, that everyone would treat me like this and that I would always have bad experiences in dating. There's been parts of me that have worried that it was me and I think a big like healing part of this current era of my life has been allowing myself to really put those things in my past and allow myself to hold on to the knowledge not just the hope but the knowledge that there are many people out there that would never treat me like that There are so many people out there that are going to love me in the way that I deserve to be loved. And I'm not going to let a few assholes from when I was younger make me believe that that is the most I will ever be able to be loved. I will not let people like that make me believe that there's not better out there for me. But yeah, there have been many moments where I looked back and just felt so overwhelmed that those are my experiences and I wanted so badly to just get rid of them and be like, why couldn't I have had like innocent love, gentle love? Why couldn't that have been the way that I learned? Um, I felt like really robbed of that. I still kind of do. But I think I'm, I'm just trying to like let myself feel that but also remind myself that like my opportunity for innocent and gentle love has not passed and just because I'm getting older doesn't mean that I won't be able to have that that I won't be able to find someone to really take care of me my heart in the way that I hoped that people would have with my younger self oof I was not planning on crying in this episode. (laughs) I think it just really, it does something to you. Having someone treat you like that. Not only having someone like totally discard you and, you know, just sort of be cruel to you throughout the process of dating you, but then to find out that you were the other woman unknowingly, that someone could put you in that position 
it feels so awful. And, um, yeah. So, that was my first experience in dating. And my first experience being the other woman unknowingly. Now, this happened again more recently in my life. So, I want to tell that story as well. And then I want to, you know, give some reflections and talk a little bit more about cheating in general. But, um, this next story happened in 2019, fall 2019. I matched with this guy on Hinge and we started talking. Very flirtatious, uh, sexual undertones, heavy sexual undertones for sure. Um, we were talking for probably about three weeks through text followed each other on Instagram he would comment um flirty things on all of my Instagram photos so this was you know we were publicly flirting and um we set up time to go on a date we we're gonna go to a wine bar and two three days before our scheduled date I posted a screenshot of his hinge profile on my finsta which if you don't know what a finsta is (laughs) I haven't had a finsta since I was in college but it was basically just a fake instagram it was a second instagram account for only your closest friends and so I posted a screenshot of his dating profile on my finsta just to show my friends and be like he's so fucking hot I'm so excited to go on this date this is the guy I'm going on a date with this week. And um, shortly after I posted that on my Finsta, one of my friends from high school DM'd me and was like, you're going out with this guy this week? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, that is strange. And I don't know how to tell you this, but my roommate from college has been dating that man for several months. I grew up in Massachusetts. (laughs) Like I live in New York. I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, This is not, they didn't go to college in New York. This is a college not in New York that they went to. And my friend from high school's college roommate is dating this guy that I posted on my Finsta. A lot of things had to align in the universe for this to happen. Cause what are the fucking odds of that? So after I found out that this man had a girlfriend, I ended up speaking to her. We DM'd on Instagram. Um, I told her what was happening. She thanked me for being honest with her. She was, she's incredibly beautiful and incredibly kind. And the, the whole situation made my heart hurt for her because it was just so ridiculous. Like you have a beautiful, loving girlfriend and you're going to go on hinge and talk to me for what you're taken and then you're gonna flirt with me talk to me make plans to go on a date with me no you're gonna flirt with me publicly which who's commenting on all of my photos and so when she followed me on instagram when we were talking she's going through my profile and she's seeing all of the times that he's commented on my page and she's going through and liking every one of his comments in my photos and I'm watching it happen I'm just scrolling through my notifications and I'm like go off 
drag him and then you go to her profile and you realize that he was copy and pasting the same comments on her photos and on my photos he wasn't even original in the ways that he was hitting on me he was literally like hitting on his girlfriend copy paste hitting on me some random bitch off hinge I cried so hard that night when all of this was going down not because I cared for him I didn't even know the guy but I was crying because I was so upset I was so angry that I got dragged into making another woman feel like this I was so upset and you know part of me was probably being triggered from my past experiences being the other woman unknowingly but when this was happening I felt so mad I was like Number one, how dare you drag me into this? How dare you make me, you know, your accomplice in this? I would never put another woman in this position. I would never pursue someone if they had a boyfriend or girlfriend. If I knew that you were in a relationship, that you were seeing someone seriously, I never would have talked to you. And you've now put me in a position where another woman is hurt and she's crying and she's upset and I'm connected to that sadness. You've now put me in a position where I have hurt another woman who didn't deserve it. And that makes me furious. And it just made me so mad. I felt so like, it's just an icky feeling. It feels really gross because it's not your fault, right? You had no way of knowing. You made your decisions, your choices based on the information you had at the time. And at the time you thought they were single. You thought they were on a dating app, single. But it's so hard because you, you start to feel so guilty and you feel like it's your fault. Like, ah, God, I should have fucking known, but it's not your fault because you didn't know but you still feel that guilt of like, this is just icky and wrong. And um, it's just awful. And the thing is, is too, is like when you're going through that, a lot of the things that you feel are not necessarily like sensical. Like I remember feeling like I wasn't good enough. And I know that's nonsensical because I don't want to be with him. Right. I don't want to date a cheater. So I might sit at home and be like, well, why I feel like I'm not good enough. Why was I not good enough to be the girlfriend? I was only the side piece. Why am I not good enough to be the main girl, to be the girl that's chosen? And I sit at home and feel that and know that it makes no sense that I feel that way because I don't even want to be with him. I don't want to be with a cheater. He's not a catch in any way, shape or form. And there's also another side of it that's like, it double sucks because his girlfriend is feeling the same way. I'm sitting at home thinking, I'm not good enough for anyone to really choose me and love me and want to be with me. I'm only good enough to be the side piece that people have sex with. And clearly this is fueled by some of my other dating experiences. So I'm sitting at home thinking, I'm not good enough to be loved I'm only good enough to be your secret you know sex plaything in private and his girlfriend is sitting at home thinking 
why was I not good enough that you had to go find someone else? Why was I not good enough that you needed to go on hinge and flirt with other women? And so we're both at home feeling like we're not good enough. No one wins, right? She's not winning just because she got the guy. She's at home heartbroken because he chose to go on a dating app and flirt with other fucking women. There's no winning. You both feel like fucking shit. And I, throughout that entire day and week that followed, I just, I was angry. I was angry that I was involved in something that I never would have involved myself in. And um, it's scary too because you really don't I had no way of knowing that he was lying to me and it just adds to like this fractured idea of trust where you're like there's no universe where I could have detected that he was lying to me I didn't know I had no idea and it it's hard for those experiences to not stack on top of each other. And then you look at it and you're like, how will I ever know if someone's telling the truth to me? This could happen again. It's already happened before. And I didn't know both times. Someone could lie to me again. And suddenly it's like, I didn't even need to be in a relationship to have, you know, trauma that follows me from being involved in cheating. I didn't need to be the girlfriend to walk away mentally fucked up from this. (laughs) Okay. Now I've got trust issues from being the other woman unknowingly. And the craziest part of that story is that a year later on the dot, on the fucking dot, a year later, he DMs me on Instagram and said, are you still taking applications? Am I fucking what? come again am I still taking applications the way my brain went completely blank like I could have literally committed homicide in that moment I didn't respond to him and then he like six hours later was like haha okay I was like what the fuck how fucking idiotic do you have to be to think that not only Can you fuck with one bad bitch, but two bad bitches? You not only thought that you could pull your ex-girlfriend, who is hot as fuck. You were going to pull her, and then you were also going to pull me. And then when you were exposed for cheating and being a fuckhead, you thought that maybe a year later you could come back and be like, "Eh, what about now? As if I forgot? You think my opinion of you is going to change? That's the part that I don't fucking understand. Now, do I believe in the saying, once a cheater, always a cheater? No. But what I will tell you is this. Once you have involved me in your cheating, you are dead to me. Once you have cheated on me, once you have used me as the other woman, once you have involved me in that kind of behavior... You might change for someone else. You will not change for me. I will not give you an opportunity to fuck me like that twice. No shot. 
no fucking shot. So when people talk about the phrase once a cheater, always a cheater, I believe that people can change and grow. Definitely. It does not happen overnight. I don't even think it happens in the span of a year. I think it takes a very long time for someone to truly change. I think it takes a long time of reflection and internal work and being single for people to actually change in that way. Um, Do I think that most cheaters change? Probably not. Am I going to say that all cheaters stay cheaters forever? No. Because I think that some people genuinely make mistakes and they grow to learn from those mistakes. However, and this is the advice that I would give to anybody going through something like this, is that once they cheat on you, you can't believe that they're going to change for you. In my head, once they cheat on you, once they cheat with you, you should be done. Like they're sure they might change. I hope they change. I hope that they never put another person what they put you through but don't give them the opportunity to do better for you. They fucked it. They lost their fucking chance. And I get it. When people get cheated on, people stay in those relationships for all kinds of reasons. And I'm not going to judge you for whatever decision you make for yourself. But if I was your friend, if I was your best friend and you came to me and said, Maddie, my boyfriend cheated on me. What do I do? I'm going to tell you to leave him every fucking time. Every fucking time I'm going to tell you to leave him. I don't care if he changes. He can change for the next bitch. And I hope the fuck he does. I hope the fuck he learns something. For the sake of himself and for the sake of the next people that he ends up dating. But once someone fucks on you like that, once someone betrays your trust like that, I think that it's over. Sure, people can change, but they're not going to change here. Leave it. That's how I see it. I think the conversation around like being the other woman, you usually hear about it from the side of like people being the other woman knowingly. I think we very rarely in like popular media have conversations about being the other woman unknowingly because if you were the other woman unknowingly, you are very much a victim as well. You had no fucking idea. You were being deceived just as much as the other party was. But I think usually we hear about stories where someone is the other woman knowingly. They know the person is in a relationship. They know the person has a girlfriend, has a boyfriend, and they still pursue them. And I think people that do that are fucked. I think if you knowingly cheat with someone, then you're you're fucked for that. I think it is super fucked up. And, you know, people say things all the time like, well, you know, I don't owe them anything. I'm not in a relationship with them. Their partner owes them something. He's the one that's fucking up, but I'm not. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. He's the one that made the commitment. I completely agree that he bears the brunt of the responsibility there to stay loyal because he's the one that decided to be in a relationship. But to say that there's no responsibility on you being the other woman is just fucking idiotic to say that we don't owe each other kindness and respect just because we haven't made the like outright commitment to respecting each other is just like a fucked way to go through life. Personally, if you ask me, I think that like we should be treating each other the way that we would hope other people would treat us. And I would hope that if someone knew I was in a relationship and my partner was trying to cheat on me, um, that they wouldn't go along with it and that they would tell me. 
That's what I would hope for. And it's also funny because I think a lot of the times people think that like, oh, like we cheated. He cheated on his girlfriend with me, but it's because I'm different and he's going to leave her for me and our relationship is going to be different. People think that there's something that separates them from being like the girlfriend, from being the person that gets cheated on. You're the person he cheated with. There's something better about you. You're more fun. You're more interesting. You start believing that if he leaves her for you, that he won't do the same thing to you. And I think that's a really naive way to look at it. I don't think that you should want to be with someone that has it in them to cheat. And yeah, people can change, but not with you. I think that once someone cheats on you or with you, it should be done. Being the other woman, you shouldn't start believing that they're going to date you and all of a sudden it's like they're never going to cheat on you with someone else. They fucking might. (laughs) Clearly they thought that it was okay to do it to their ex-girlfriend. You can't believe that you're different, that you're better. You're no better. There's nothing that separates us. I just think that being the other woman unknowingly uh, is so painful. It's so unnecessarily painful. You didn't have to involve yourself with me. You didn't have to drag me into this. But you lied to me and you made me believe things were different. And you in turn have forced me to disrespect another woman that I never would have disrespected if I had all the information. And it feels really bad. It feels really fucking awful. I am glad that in this most recent story, I did talk to the girlfriend. And it's something that I would always do now moving forward. If I ever caught someone cheating, I would always tell the partner. Always. Um, all of this just to say that if you are or if you have been the other woman unknowingly I want you to know that it's not your fault and that you didn't deserve to be treated like that you didn't deserve to be put in that position I think though it makes sense that there is usually more comfort offered to the person that was cheated on when you are the person that is cheated with unknowingly you are suffering in a similar way. You feel pain in a similar way. Your trust is fractured in a similar way. It's not equal, but I just want you to know that you are not the bad guy here. And just because you got roped in to someone else's shitty behavior doesn't mean that you have to take ownership or responsibility for what they did. I think that We make our decisions based off the information that we have available. You made your decisions based off of what you thought you knew. And it turns out that you were lied to, that you were being deceived as well. And I just, I don't want you to put the blame on yourself. Because if you knew, you wouldn't have done it. And that's on the person who made that commitment to be in that relationship to stay loyal to that person. 
if you are someone that has been the other woman knowingly, I would encourage you to look within. Um, If you think that you are any different, any better than the woman that he is with, you think that they will treat you differently, I promise you they will not. If they are willing to cheat with you, they will be willing to cheat on you. Do not fool yourself into thinking that you are somehow more special or more different or more unique than the other bitch. All right? You're not. And if they will cheat with you, they will cheat on you. Karma's a bitch. So be careful and perhaps consider being kinder to other people. And if you are the person that has been cheated on, I want you to know that this is not your fault either. And that you deserve a partner that you can trust, that is loyal, that you can depend upon. And I'm so sorry that someone put you in a position where your ability to trust has now been compromised. That is really shitty and it's really difficult to build back up. And it's so fucking painful. And I just want you to know that it's not your fault. And there's nothing you could have done to change this person's behavior. The decision that they made is on them. That mistake is on them. And I don't want you to blame yourself for what happened either. You were good enough all along. Okay? This cheating, this person betraying you has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Don't take responsibility for their actions, for their wrongdoings. Oy. It's a painful subject. It really is. And it, it's one that has caused me a lot of grief throughout my adult life, looking back and having to process these experiences. Um, and unfortunately, it's a very common one. So I just want anyone out there listening to know that you're not alone. There is love. There is so much love out there that is innocent and kind and gentle and patient that would never do that to you, that would never dream of doing that to you, okay? Do not let this one experience make you believe that there is not good, true, pure love out there because there is and you will find it and it will find you all right this guy fucking sucks he's the worst let's forget about him and move on to something better because it's what we deserve and it's what's looking for us so that's it for today's episode a little bit of a heavier one but I thought that it was important to talk about and I'm very thankful for this little corner of the internet. I feel really grateful to be able to have these kinds of conversations with you guys and to feel comfortable talking about the things that have gone on in life. Um, As difficult as it may be, I feel really grateful that there are spaces on the internet where we're able to share in our feelings and grief like this. So that's it for today's episode be sure to follow the podcast instagram at emotionally online and follow me your host maddie drosbeck on instagram as well i love you guys so much thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week